Well, today we begin the second half of the year here at Movement Church. And as I told you at the beginning of 2023, one of the things that I want to stay absolutely on top of this year is I want to make sure that we stay abundantly clear on what we're doing and where we're going as a church. And my hope in a message like today is to inspire and to motivate us all to play whatever part it is that we can individually play uh, toward accomplishing what we hope to accomplish as a church right here, right now in our city, in all across the country and all across the world. And today, as we talk about our parts to play, I want us to lean into a pretty powerful principle that we find at work in the gospels throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. It's something that you find at work all over the place, but specifically in one famous story of Jesus's miraculous power on display. So I'm going to read this story and we'll unpack it. And then we'll talk about how we put this principle into practice to accomplish what God wants us to as a church to accomplish here in the second half of 2023. We begin in Matthew chapter 14 starting in verse 13. This is one of Jesus's most famous miracles. This story may be incredibly familiar to some of you. To some of you, this may be the very first time you're hearing it, but wherever we come from, let's let's read it with fresh ears, fresh eyes. Let's dive in today, starting in verse 13. When Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. So what is, well, that begs the question, what is it that Jesus has heard about? In three of the four gospel accounts, This story takes place immediately after Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded by Herod, the governor of Judea. John was Jesus's cousin, and their stories had always been incredibly intertwined. John was obviously first on the scene. He was born first. He he actually began his public ministry first, but he used his influence and authority and popularity to point to Jesus that Jesus' earthly ministry was early ministry was legitimized because it was so tied and affirmed by John's ministry and by John's word. So John the Baptist dies at the hands of the government, and Jesus needs a moment to get away, to find quiet, to grieve, to pray, to do whatever Jesus needed to do in that moment. And here's what happened next. When the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now, the crowd didn't hear that Jesus was going to grieve. They just heard that he was going. They didn't, they, they didn't hear that he was going to cry and to pray and to pour out his heart. They just knew he was going somewhere. And wherever Jesus was going, they wanted to be because where Jesus went, miracles went. Where Jesus went, amazing things happened. So they wanted to be where Jesus was going. So they're not going to bother Jesus in a time of grief, although that is ultimately what kind of ends up happening. They find Jesus in a moment of grief, in a moment of sorrow, in a moment of loss. In verse 14, it tells us this. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd, had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Now, this is important to know. There's, there's a miracle that's coming, and this is not the main point of this passage, but I think it's important for us to point out. Some of Jesus' greatest ministry came out of, Je- out of some of Jesus' deepest pain. Some of Jesus' greatest ministry came out of some of Jesus' deepest pain. Again, this is not the point today. We're going to get there. But for some of you, I just wanted to pause for a moment. For some of you, you have gone through a season or a stretch of difficulty and pain and hurt and frustration, maybe loss, maybe definite grief, where you have felt the pain of life and it feels like nothing has gone right. Right? 
And as you feel all that, what you want to do is exactly what Jesus was trying to do. Escape the crowd, escape the scene, find some rest, get quiet, find healing, find peace. And what you think is what what so many of us think. I'm no good to anybody while I'm hurting this much. Some of you, you have thought that. Some of you, you're thinking that even as I'm talking about ministry coming out of our hurt, I have been there and I'm never going to be the pastor who's like, hey, buck up, okay? Like, it's not so bad. Quit being selfish. Dust yourself off and get back to whatever you're supposed to be doing. I'm I'm never going to be that person. Rest is important. Getting your head right is important. Allowing God time to bring healing is important. But I do think it's important to see Jesus' example here, that when a moment is presented to us, we don't pass it up either, right? Like that, like I'm not gonna be like, hey, dive right back, but like I'm also gonna be, I wanna be the person that says like, hey, when it's right in front of your face, don't pass it up because, you, because you're, you're trying to find the rest and healing. Like when God brings something to you, we stay aware, we stay awake, we keep our eyes and our ears open to whatever God may bring your way. And so some of you, you have been in a, in a season of trying to find rest and trying to find healing and trying to find peace. And in the middle of that, I just want to say, God may be bringing to you some ministry opportunities, some, some, some opportunities to genuinely help someone. And if you don't keep your eyes and your ears open, you may miss the thing that God actually wants to do out of the season of pain, the ministry, the good work that God wants to bring from your season of pain. And I just want to let you know, sometimes this ministry, this incredible ministry that comes from our season of hurt and difficulty, sometimes it's immediate, like right in the, like in the middle of you hurting. There's a moment that has nothing to do with your hurting, but you have an opportunity to look beyond your hurt and to bring healing and to bring help to someone else in their time of need and in your and in that moment where you're helping someone else you find healing as you look beyond your hurt and then so sometimes it's immediate but sometimes it's down the road where the thing that you've gone through can be the very thing that you help others through where you had a difficult first year of marriage and you turn around and help other people in their first years of marriage where you face cancer head on and you actually you're you're in remission and you've done been to all the doctors and you've been to all the visits and you've been to everything and you've been through radiation and you've been through that season and you came through on the other side and maybe just maybe what God wants to do out of that time is that he's going to use you to help others who are going to go through that kind of time in life. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's down the road, but sometimes our greatest ministry, some of our greatest helping of other people, sometimes our greatest ministry comes through times of our deepest pain. Now the story goes on and we're going to get to, we're getting to the point where we, where we're, we're actually driving towards today. When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this place is deserted and it is already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now let me ask you a question. When you start talking about how everyone needs to get food because everyone is hungry, who's hungry? You are. I am. When I like, oh, like when I start thinking about how everyone must be hungry, I'm hungry. The disciples are hungry. In fact, the disciples are hungry after a long day of ministry. In fact, one of Luke's details that he gives in this account is not is that not only did Jesus just hear the news about John the Baptist, but at the same time, the disciples had just returned from a ministry assignment and had been so busy, they hadn't even had time to eat. So Jesus had promised, we're going to go away to a deserted place. We will find some time to rest and some time for you guys to eat. 
So these guys are really hungry. After a day where they've been promised food and then they didn't get food because the crowd came and they got Jesus' attention, these guys are really hungry. And then John, Jesus' disciple John, who was there, not someone who heard this story from someone else, someone who was an eyewitness to this story, John, John Jesus' disciple, throws this detail into this account to clarify why the disciples think they need to send the people away. Because, at the, I mean, if you've heard the story, you know what's going on here. If this is an unfamiliar story, story. This may be fresh news to you. This was a gigantic crowd of people. So John records this detail that Philip answered Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. This We need to send this crowd away because this crowd is so big that even if we had this gigantic budget, we couldn't feed these people. Now, you're like, what's 200 denarii? Now, denarii is the term that was used in that time for a day's wages. Meaning, if someone worked for 200 days and was paid the average pay for a days of work, it still wouldn't be enough to feed this crowd. Now you're like, That's, that seems like a, a pretty big crowd. Now I decided to have some math fun and put this in, today, in today's terms to do some, some math in, 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 in today's terms to figure out what, what Philip is saying. The average salary, average yearly salary in New Mexico in 2023 is $45,600 for a year. Divide that by 365, average daily wage in our state is $125 a day. Now, some of you, you may be like, that sounds pretty good. I would take that job. Some of you are like, that's peanuts. I ain't working for that. But wherever you are, that's the average pay for a day of work in New Mexico. Take that, multiply it by 200, and you get just over $25,000. Philip is saying... If you had $25,000 for food, you still wouldn't have enough to feed this crowd. If you could buy a brand new Honda Accord, which by the way is what Jesus' disciples drove around during their time of ministry, you're like, how do you know that? Well, because we're told that they were all together in one Accord. All right, that's a terrible pastor joke. If you had enough to buy one Honda, one brand new Honda Accord, you still wouldn't have enough to feed this crowd of people. I think John included that conversation just so everyone would know for all time why the disciples were so against trying to feed this crowd. It was impossible in their mindset with the resources that they had. 200, again, and notice what he says, 200 days wages wouldn't have worth of bread. He's not even including Chick-fil-A sandwiches. He's not including protein. He's not including vegetables. He's like, if we had $25,000 just to buy bread, it, like that, like we wouldn't even scratch the surface, okay? Surely, Jesus doesn't expect them to feed the crowd this big with what they have and with what they don't have. Now, going back to Matthew's account in verse 16, they don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. Which I think if, like if, I, was just, if I was one of Jesus' disciples at this point, I would have just looked at Jesus with a death stare, with my wife's death stare, and I would have just pierced his, his brain with my eyes as if like, come on, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, you know we don't have enough to do this. So they answered in verse 17, but we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Now, that gives an, a little bit of a picture, but John, again, gives a little bit more detail on where this five loaves and two fish came from. So we is, is a little bit different than we, naturally, than we tend to think. So John chapter 6 gives us this detail. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they 
for so many. This begs the question, who is we in Matthew chapter 14? This doesn't make the disciples look so great, does it? Like Jesus says, well, what do you got? Well, you feed them. What do you have? What did you bring to the table? And they're either so unprepared for a day trip that none of them have any food. Now, again, this is 12 guys in their late teens, early 20s. Maybe they're that unprepared that they just left for an entire day with no food, or they're so selfish that while they have some food, they don't want to share it, but they are willing to take a little boy's lunchable and confiscate that and hand it to Jesus. But even while doing that, they acknowledge this isn't even going to make a dent. Like, I mean, at this point in the story, we haven't been told the number of people that, that, that are at this thing, but we've been told that $25,000 worth of today's food budget would not, would not even be enough to cover this. So surely this boy's lunch, I mean, this isn't going to even make a dent. So back to Matthew's account, verse 18, bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. Meaning, just in case you, you, you're tempted to read this story like I want to read what it says on the surface, it sounds as if Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and just tore off little bits and little bits and little bits, and everybody got just a tiny bit. But no, it says everyone ate and they were satisfied. They were full. They ate to their heart's content. And then it says this, the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces and then it gives us this detail at the end of the story so we know exactly how large this crowd was. Now, those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's incredible, isn't it? That Jesus took one boy's lunch, five small loaves of bread and two fish, and he multiplies it over and over and over and over and over again until it's more than enough food for an insanely large crowd. We're told 5,000 men plus women and children, probably roughly eight to 9,000 people total, plus the disciples who didn't have any food, each have an entire basket for each of them at the end. Jesus' power, here's the story, Jesus' power is amazing. But before we move on too quickly, let me tell you one of the, the, one of the first miracles that we're really told in this story. Let me tell you where the story was essentially determined, where, where it was decided that, what, was, that G, what Jesus wanted to do was actually going to happen. It happens in verse 18 when Jesus says, bring them here to me. So they said, we got five loaves of bread and we got two fish. Jesus will well, bring them to me. Imagine being the disciples holding five pieces of bread and two fish, and Jesus asks for them as if that's somehow enough to do anything. My response would be to argue with Jesus, or maybe even to have hand the food back to the kid. Like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm sorry we grabbed your lunch. I didn't think Jesus would actually want to steal your lunch. I just... I brought it as an illustration to prove how little food we have. I'm so sorry, I'll give it back. Because surely this is not enough for anyone to do anything with for a crowd this large. Surely this is not enough. And what I love about Jesus' disciples in this singular moment is that when Jesus asks for something, 
they respond with just enough faith and obedience and they put it into Je- put into Jesus's hands exactly what Jesus asked for which turned out to be abundantly more than enough when it's placed into Jesus hands and with that said here's the bottom line here's why we called this this, this day multiply Jesus multiplies whatever you put into his hands Jesus multiplies whatever we put into his hands. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus did with bread. That's what Jesus did with fish. And that's what Jesus still does with whatever we bring to him and put into his hands to this very day. Today, when we give our time to Jesus, he takes it and he multiplies our time into something bigger than we can imagine. When we give our talents, our skills, and our abilities to Jesus, he takes those things and multiplies it to accomplish something far greater than our talents, skills, and abilities can accomplish in our own power. When we extend an invitation, when we serve with children, when we pray that God would expand his church, when we show up early, when we meet with a friend to study God's word together, when we give of our finances, Jesus takes all of that and he multiplies it to go further and to accomplish more than we could ever imagine. Jesus takes an invitation and he multiplies it to change a destiny. Jesus takes a small gift financially and he uses it to build his church. Jesus takes our time when we put it into his hands and he uses it to invest in the lives of children who are going to grow up to know God and to serve his church. Like this is what happens when we put something into Jesus' hands. Jesus takes it and he multiplies it to make it something bigger than we could ever make it with our own hands and with our own strength. And so here's what we're going to do this second half of 2023 to be abundantly clear. We are going to continue to create a church that helps people take their first steps and their next steps in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to create Sunday environments that are inviting and friendly and casual and accessible and fun for people to experience Jesus as a first step while creating Sunday environments that continue to lovingly challenge people to know Jesus more, to follow him more closely, to die to ourselves and our selfishness, and to get better at following Jesus with every single aspect of our lives. And while we do that, we're going to continue to create great environments for children to develop anchor points of faith and a community of Jesus-loving friends that can last a lifetime. And while we do that, we're going to have some amazing small groups that help people dive deeper into our Sunday messages and into the Word of God and into some great books while also moving beyond surface friendship to create real and life-giving community. And while we're doing all of that, we're also going to continue to find ways to love and serve beyond the walls of the church and our homes to meet the needs of our community. And while we're doing all that, I'm going to encourage you to continually give of your finances and of your talents and your abilities to serve in ways that build and develop and grow the local church and grow relationship with someone and grow someone else's faith in Jesus. In short, we are going to do church right. We're going to follow the example of the early church and we're going to focus on reaching people for Jesus and growing our faith and growing our connection with God ourselves. And we're going to focus on growing community that develops real and lasting relationships. And we're going to help do that for kids. And we're going to do that for teenagers. And we're going to do that for college students. And we're going to do that, do that for young married couples having their babies for the very, having their first kids. You know, we're going to do that for people with kids in school and have been doing the parenting thing for a while. We're going to make marriage, like we're going to do it all. We are going to serve our community 
community in Jesus' name. We're going to offer our talents and our abilities and our finances to do whatever, so that the church is fully funded to do whatever God wants to do. We're going to offer our talents and abilities so the church has every resource and every ability to do whatever God calls us to do. We're going to do everything we can to follow the example of the early church to do church right. And as we do that, we're going to watch as Jesus takes the best of our effort and ability and generosity and friendship and community and multiplies it to be even more than we could ever dream. Does that sound exciting? Does that sound like it's worth you putting into Jesus' hands whatever it is that Jesus has asked you to put into Jesus' hands. And so today, what I'm going to do here as, as, as we close, I'm going to talk about a few things that we got coming up. Before we do that, though, I got five habits that I want to invite you, that I want to ask you to put into Jesus' hands. Because if we'll continuously, as a church, as individuals, if we'll place these five habits in Jesus' hands, our continual action, make a habit of these actions, if we'll place that in Jesus' hands, I'm just telling you, I feel like we'll do church right in the second half of 2023. And I feel like Jesus may take our efforts and multiply it to do some incredibly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine things in the second half of 2023. So the first habit I want you to, I'm gonna put all five of these up on, on the screen at the same time. I want you to invite, I want you to welcome, I want you to serve, I want you to give, and I want you to connect. Now, again, some of you watching online, you're like, how do we invite? Like we watch online. We're part of the church online. We don't really come in person. I want you to invite. And the way you invite if you're part of the online community is you share. You send someone the link. You send, you send someone the, a, a message or an email with this link. You share it on Facebook. We're still posting on, on Facebook and on YouTube. So maybe you watch it on YouTube, but you know your community is on is on, is on Facebook, maybe you post the YouTube link to Threads, which is brand new. Like you just, you, you take whatever avenue you can and you share. Maybe you, you use your social media to share some things that our church is talking about that you think, you, you create a little graphic of your, of, of your own that you take a picture of the screen and you post some thoughts in the, in the notes and you just do whatever you can to share that with, with someone in your community, in your circle of influence, that what's, what's going on at church and the good news of what's being shared at church, you invite. If you're part of the church, the church in-person family and you're watching online today, we want you to invite, to use your influence, to, use what your, your, to leverage your influence at your workplace, in, your, in the community, in your neighborhood, within your family, to invite people who are not connected to a church to join us for church, and I want you to make that a habit. That that let's let's just say at least once a month you're inviting someone to join you for church. I know some people in our church who invite. Make sure they invite someone every single week, and I think that's absolutely amazing. But if there's someone that you know that's a church free agent, we want to invite them on, on a free agent visit to our church, and hopefully. We'll get them connected and we'll do our best job to make sure that they enjoy church, that maybe they've walked away because it was unenjoyable. Maybe they walked away because they were hurt. Maybe they walked away for a whole bunch of different, because they weren't interested at that point in time in their life. We're going to do our best to make sure it's an engaging thing that when you invite them, we, I'll give you, our, my, I'll give you my, my, my personal pastoral guarantee. We'll do everything in our power to make sure that it's an experience that they enjoy and want to come back for more, okay? So I want you to invite, I want you to welcome. When we're at church or when you're watching online, I wanna have a welcoming place. For some of us, this is, this is more of our, an in-person thing. But for some of us, we're like, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll invite people. But then when someone else invites someone and they come, 
we kind of act sometimes as if like we're too busy with our kids, with whatever we got going on, to actually friendly welcome someone. Let's make sure that we're keeping our, that on the Sunday morning, if it's Sunday morning online in the comment section, if it's in person at, at church, that we're watching out for, for people who are new and we're doing everything that we can to be friendly, not to be overbearing, not to be annoying, but to welcome people, to get to know people, to get to know people's names, to find out where people are coming from, to find out, find out how, who invited someone, to find out how someone ended up at our church. Let's make sure that we are going out of our way to be friendly and to be welcoming. Let's never get too busy with whatever else we've got going on to make sure that we lovingly and warmly welcome anyone who walks through the doors of our church. We're gonna serve. I'm gonna encourage some of you, you need to take a step to serve. If you're part of the church online family, there's some ways that you can serve. And I would love if you would email us to find out some ways that you can, that you can serve. That'll be at info at mvmnt.church. But if you've got some gifts and talents and abilities that you're sitting on, I would love to encourage you to stop sitting on them and to start involving them and engaging your gifts and talents and abilities in our church to build the church that God wants to build this year. And for number four, I want to encourage you to give. If, if, if you're a giver, I mean, I say this at the end of every service. Thank you so much for your generosity. If you're not a giver, I would love to encourage you to begin giving because here's the great thing. We've, we've been taking some strides financially. We've been make, making some progress financially. We're getting really close to a point where a building of our own, a home for Movement Church, is a legitimate option. And for, that, for, for us to take the final steps, we need some of you who have not yet begun giving to begin giving or to, or, or, or to think about raising your level of giving. We're, get, we're getting there. We're getting close. For some of you who are not givers, I just want to extend the invitation look you in the eyes and say, I would invite you to give to make sure the church is fully funded to do whatever God calls us to do, to be whatever God has called us to be. And as we look toward a future building, your generosity as a, as a starter, your generosity actually may be the difference that allows us to move over that, those some of those final hurdles to actually make a home for movement church in Las Cruces to be a reality. And then finally, I wanna encourage you to make a habit of connecting to make a habit of connecting, to have a habit of connecting beyond this space, beyond the Sunday morning thing, to connect in a small group, to connect with some people, to connect with some people in a, in a formal small group setting, or to regularly connect with some people that you go out to lunch with or you go out to coffee with, and you talk about what God's doing in your life and the struggles that you have, and you pray for each other, and you open God's word together, and you do church together. You do life together. You invest your time in the community of faith and with a community of other believers. I want to encourage you to regularly connect. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. If we'll take those four things, what's not possible with a church full of people inviting, with a church people full of people welcoming, with a church full of people serving and using their gifts and their talents and their abilities, with a church full of people being generous, with a church full of people connecting and forming community. What isn't possible when a church takes all of that and puts it in Jesus's hands and Jesus multiplies it to do even more than we think he can do? Nothing's impossible when we do that. So let's take all of that, let's make it a regular habit and make a regular habit of taking that and putting it in Jesus' hands so he can do whatever he wants to do, which is far, far more than we think can be done. 
Now here's the thing, again, coming up, I wanna give you just a little bit of preview of what's coming in the second half of 2023. For some of you, you're like, I've got some people in mind, but what's coming up? Because I think there may be some strategic dates for me to be inviting people to. And if you're thinking that, that's exactly the way I want you to think. So here's the next, the four big series that we're gonna be doing between now and Christmas uh, in Movement Church. Next week, I begin a brand new series called Pioneers. We're gonna talk about stepping into what's new and what's next, because whenever we step into something new and we step into something that's next, sometimes it gets a little scary. And so we're gonna look to the book of Joshua and the example from the life of Joshua of stepping into what's new and stepping into what's next with confidence that God is with us, that he goes before us, and that he has a plan and a purpose for every next and every new season of life. Then we're gonna be doing a short three-week series at the end of August called Unique. And we're gonna talk about what makes Christianity different and better than anything else that the world has to offer. It's going to be an incredible series to be sharing and inviting with people who may have walked away from church because they thought religion was just like every, you know, the Christian religion was just like every other religion. It's not. It is vastly superior and better to anything else that the world has to offer. Then in September and October, we're going to be doing a series called Family Circus because we want to talk about how to do family so that family doesn't feel so much like a circus. Some of you are like, oh, I know some people who, their family looks like a circus. We're gonna be doing some great creative things with that, but I wanna encourage you, if you know someone who could use that, wants to get better at family, wants some guidance at parenting and marriage, all that kind of stuff, we're gonna be talking for four weeks and doing some really fun things in addition to our Sunday morning series, so be, be looking out for that. And then we're gonna do a series called Wrestle, where we talk about wrestling with God, wrestling with doubt, wrestling with fear, wrestling with disappointment, learning to wrestle with the things that so often try to knock us off the map. And then we have a couple big days in two weeks. We're gonna be doing back to school Sunday on July 23rd. We're gonna have a gift for every student. We're gonna pray for every student. We're gonna pray for every teacher that's in attendance with us. We're gonna spend some time celebrating and praying for and and beginning to seek God at the beginning of a school year that God would bless us. If you're watching online and you live in a different state, you're like, wait, wait, why are you doing that in July? Because we live in Crucis, y'all, and school starts like next week, okay? So then uh, on August 20th, we're doing something brand new that we've never done as a church. We're going to have Aggie Sunday. We're right, we're real close to New Mexico State University. We're going to celebrate the beginning of the college school year. And we're going to have Aggie Sunday where we do some really cool things. We'll probably grill. We'll probably do some, some, some fun, fun stuff after service to make sure that we celebrate and welcome in some new people who are joining us for the very first time and some people who are joining us in our city for the very first time. And then coming up in December, we're going to be doing our annual our third annual Winter Wonderland. And we've got some great things that we're already beginning to work on for that. So here's the thing. If you're thinking, when do I invite? You've got the list. We've got, we've got Pioneers. We got Unique. We got Family Circus. We got Wrestle. We got Back to School Sunday. We got Aggie Sunday. We got Winter Wonderland. If we'll take these days, like th- this second half of the year, I'm just telling you, we got a lot of great stuff planned. If we'll make a habit of inviting and welcoming and serving and giving and connecting and paying attention to the moments where, where that, that are really great days to bring some people new into the family of God, and we'll make sure we connect regularly and build a, 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 a stinking amazing um, you know, community of faith to be a part of. And we'll serve and give our gifts and we'll give generously of our finances so the church is fully funded. To, like, I'm just telling you, there's nothing that's not, not possible when we place it in Jesus' hands. And Jesus is going to multiply what we bring him. 
And if we bring him everything he wants, and if we bring our invitations, we bring our welcome, we bring our, friend, our friendliness, we bring our prayer, we bring our service, we bring our generosity, we bring our connection. I'm just telling you, Jesus is gonna do some amazing things in us and through us and for us and around us in 2023 as we look toward the second half Jesus is going to multiply whatever it is that we put in his hands. Let's make sure we put the right things in Jesus' hands. Let's put in Jesus' hands everything that Jesus asks for. And let's watch as he multiplies to do more than we think is possible or could ever imagine. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are everything that you say you are. God, thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for the miracle that took place for those people then and there. But God, thank you for the principle that's at work for all time everywhere. That when we place things into, into Jesus' hands, he always multiplies them to do more than we think is possible. So God, today I thank you that we don't bring... Uh, just bread or fish, but God, we bring our invitations. We bring our friendliness. We bring our welcoming. We bring our connection. We bring our generosity. We bring our service. We bring our, our community and we bring all of that so that you can multiply all of that. And you can multiply all of that to build our church and to grow our church and to reach people for Jesus and to reach our community and to reach beyond our community and to reach our schools and to reach our college campus and to reach our, our workplace and to reach our neighborhood and to reach wherever it is that you want us to reach. God, I pray that you would take whatever it is that we boldly and obediently put into your hands. And God, I pray that you would multiply it as you so often do. And God, I pray that you would use it to just build everything that you want to build in us, build everything that you want to build through us, build everything that you want to build for our community, and build everything that you want to build for our church. And God, we'll just be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. We won't think it's, it has anything to do with us other than that we put the right things into your hands. And so, God, we can't wait to see what you do. We can't wait to see the miracles. We can't wait to hear the stories. We can't wait to hear the testimonies of your faithfulness and what you do as you save and you heal and you restore and you make all things new. So, God, we love you. We ask that you would multiply everything we put into your hands for the rest of 2023. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.